I'm Larry Holscher with LJH Farms out of Westphalia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state of the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we look at expanding processing capacity in the meat industry. We know that we need more hook space when it comes to beef processing especially, and USDA is rolling out some more programs to try to make that happen. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's a lot for grain producers to pay attention to right now. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today... We'll have a Texas High Plains economist perspective on marketing opportunities. June 1st begins the Atlantic hurricane season. Texas residents need to begin preparing now for the potentially active tropical season ahead. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have hurricane predictions from the National Weather Service on Texas Ag Today. After a trying growing season, wheat harvest is underway in North Texas. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest USDA efforts to expand meat and poultry processing capacity in the U.S. were announced last week. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack told the Senate Agriculture Committee. We're announcing a $200 million effort to try to help existing meat and poultry facilities. It's an intermediary loan program. It's going to provide grants to co-ops, other nonprofit organizations, public agencies to create revolving loan funds to assist and help those facilities to remain in business. USDA's Dr. Karama Neal says the new program creates a $200 million competitive grant program in which USDA will award the grants to nonprofit lenders so they can create revolving loan funds. They loan the funds out initially. Initially, they have to be loaned to a, a meat or poultry processor. But as those funds are repaid, they can still be loaned to a meat and poultry processor, but they can also be loaned across the food system. USDA will be accepting applications for the new loan program through the end of July. There will be another application window this fall. Well, we can't say the drought is over, but the recent rains across the state were at least some temporary relief. Brian Kane with Bayer Pasture and Range here in Texas says conditions were looking tough before the rain started falling. From looking at a big picture, it depends on where you're at. Texas is a big state. I think we've been definitely below average uh, down the I-35 corridor. Um, you can certainly see it on the vegetation, too. Not what I would say terrible, but certainly not in average or average plus category. As you go west, it really started falling off bad. Uh, and that, that also went for south Texas. There were areas down there south of San Antonio where, uh, you know, the trees, uh, vegetation wasn't, uh, wasn't dead. It just didn't have foliage on it because of uh, drought conditions. And the further west you go, the worse the rangeland was looking. Looking at the grass coverage when you get to West Texas, uh, certainly I'd say west of Abilene was in a, a dire straits. There were a lot of cattle being shipped and uh, 
we talked to ranchers and they were definitely trying to uh, do whatever they could to uh, minimize the grazing pressure that they had due to the drought. So, uh, yeah, pretty severe situation across the state and has been for for a number of months uh, for a lot of folks. Brian Kane with Bayer Pasture and Range. He's based in Waxahachie, Texas. A group of 54 ag groups have written a letter to the president expressing concern over a brief submitted by the U.S. Solicitor General to the Supreme Court. In the May 10th brief, the Solicitor General advised the court against taking up a case concerning whether state pesticide labels can conflict with federal labels. At question is whether the state of California can require a cancer warning label for the popular herbicide glyphosate when thousands of studies and numerous regulatory bodies, including the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, all agree that the herbicide is not a carcinogen. There is a lot for grain producers to pay attention to right now. James Hunt takes a look at possible marketing opportunities. The war in Ukraine is absolutely terrible, as the images on the nightly news continue to remind us. But nonetheless, the dramatic shakeup in the grain market sparked by Russia's invasion is creating opportunities for Texas High Plains producers. In fact, Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says doing some marketing a little earlier than normal could be prudent. We're a little far out for marketing next year's crop, but if you are pretty secure in what you're going to plant already and you have a good insurance history that is going to provide you a safety net in the event that you have total crop failure next year, I'm even looking at maybe marketing some for the next production year in the neighborhood of 5 or 10% at this point because prices are very strong. Dr. Benavidez also says that however much success there is in getting last season's grain shipped out of Ukraine, the fact remains that this season's production in Ukraine will be down significantly. The upcoming harvest is going to be short, and so the crop that's in the ground right now for us on the High Plains is one that we can probably expect to see some sustained price activity for. Now, as for matters beyond the Black Sea situation, for our local farmers, a big report coming out from USDA on June 30th also bears watching. Particularly with corn, obviously, we expect prices after the acreage report to decline seasonally through harvest. That's just the seasonal pattern. So as we approach that acreage report, you know, be watching to see what you think prices are doing. And if you're at a point where you can lock in profit there, definitely consider marketing at that point. Of course, while strong grain prices are good for farmers, not so much for those raising feeder cattle. Advice for local livestock producers in this time of high feed cost is tomorrow's topic with Dr. Benavidez. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hurricanes aren't usually something we wish for, but with the ongoing drought, some Texas farmers and ranchers may actually be welcoming hurricane season. Tom Nicoletti tells us hurricane season is now officially underway. To Fort Worth we go to catch up again with Tom Bradshaw, meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service. And Tom, uh, June 1st through November 30th is hurricane season in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, What are some of the numbers you're seeing as predictions for this season? Sure. Good to be with you again, Tom. And it looks like we're going to have another active season uh, here in 2022. Right now, the uh, official NOAA hurricane season prediction calls for 19 named storms. That compares to 14 in a normal year. And that includes nine hurricanes, which is a couple of hurricanes above normal, and four major hurricanes. So again, a pretty active season in store. It's kind of hard to know exactly where those storms are going to make landfall, if any of them are going to affect Texas or not. It only takes one storm, obviously, to create havoc in the state of Texas uh, due to tropical systems. So at this point, Tom, what do people need to do who are residents uh, along the Texas Gulf Coast from uh, the Rio Grande Valley up towards the Beaumont area and uh, further inland? 
Yeah, well, now is the time to be taking a number of precautions and getting yourself ready for the season. The first thing is to determine your risk, know where you live relative to the coast, obviously, and what your degree of risk may be due to a hurricane. Do you want to develop an evacuation plan if you happen to live near the coast? Know where you're going to go in case a hurricane warning is issued for your area. You want to assemble a disaster kit and have an emergency plan in place. It's probably a good idea to review your insurance to make sure your insurance is up to snuff to handle any damage you might receive. One of the biggest threats that the state of Texas faces from tropical systems is actually inland flooding, in, inland excessive rainfall and inland flooding. It can uh, result in significant rises and significant flooding on all of our major river systems. That is Tom Bradshaw with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wheat harvest is ongoing in north central Texas. Barry Mahler has an update from the Wichita Falls area. After a trying season, wheat harvest is here for farmers across the rolling plains. As it is with many places in Texas, it's been unusually dry for the winter wheat growing season. In fact, many parts of north central Texas have only seen two to three inches of moisture since planting last fall and less than an inch since January 1st. Lack of rain, higher than normal temperatures, and windy conditions have taken their toll. Now, a lot of the acres have been checked by federal crop insurance adjusters and determined that harvest is just not feasible. When they're finding yields of one to one and a half bushels per acre, even with a $10 per bushel price, the grain won't pay the harvest cost. Now, understand there are spots where the wheat is better and it's being harvested. Places that just happen to be in the line of a thunderstorm that others missed and Well, you know, some of our ground is just better than others. We've got some places with deeper topsoil, and that seems to have fared better. And I've also noticed that fields with a good rotation of crops over the past few years are showing much better prospects. So good conservation practices still pay off. Now, this smaller-than-usual harvest is affecting western Oklahoma and well up into Kansas and the major U.S. wheat-growing areas as well. The consensus of the Kansas Wheat Tour held recently didn't find yields quite as devastating as those that we're experiencing here, but they are expected to be down from a year ago considerably. Now, the recent stocks report from the USDA pointed to shrinking supplies worldwide due to strong demand and, well, production shortfalls in many areas other than ours. The numbers should support strong prices into the future, and farmers I talk to are concerned about finding good seed wheat for fall. You know, wheat's unique in that a lot of the acres are planted with seed kept from the previous crop. This is possible due to the fact that there are not many hybrid wheat varieties out there. A good crop next year depends on finding good seed at harvest and storing it. Now, the good news is that at least some of the wheat cut so far has had a good test weight, and that helps ensure that the seed wheat will sprout well and produce a good, strong stand at planting time. Even with the short yields, farmers are watching closely to find that best quality seed as prices as high as $20 per bushel or more are expected at planting time this fall. You know, it's never enjoyable to work through one of these weather disasters, but just as I have come to expect, I find farmers looking ahead to next year, hoping for a better crop to take advantage of today's strong price. This is Barry Mahler reporting from the Rolling Plains for Texas Ag Today. Texas anglers can help improve bass fishing in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are hundreds of choices when it comes to pet food. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are hundreds of choices when it comes to pet food. Dr. Bob Judd says it's important to make the right choice. All puppies and kittens should be fed a diet for growth as determined by the Association of American Feed Control Officials. Diets formulated for all life stages can also be used, but I am not confident a diet for an 8-week-old puppy and a 14-year-old geriatric dog both can be correct nutritionally. Dr. Katie Boatwright indicates at DVM 360 that growth diets tend to be more calorie-dense than adult diets. Calcium and phosphorus levels are of particular importance in growing animals, and growth diets will be higher in these minerals. But a diet containing too much calcium and phosphorus can also be a problem. Large breeds also need a special diet, which is limited in calories and calcium compared to other puppy diets. Previously, it was thought that feeding large breed puppies adult diets was the best option, but that is no longer recommended. I am commonly asked how much to feed a pet, and the only method to determine this is to look at the label on the bag or can. All foods are formulated differently, and each food will be fed according to the manufacturer's recommendation for the pet's age and weight. Now, if your pet is overweight or underweight, your veterinarian can give you the amount to change the diet. But in most cases, feeding instructions on the bag should be correct. Another common question is when to switch from puppy or kitten diets to adult diets. Dr. Boatwright recommends switching diets at about one year of age in cats and small breeds and not switching to adult in large breed dogs until 18 to 24 months. Get your veterinarian's opinion on this as I feel starting adult food at about nine months prevents obesity due to less calories in the adult food. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas anglers can help improve bass fishing here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Although the fish loaning period for the Toyota Share Lunker program has passed for the year, there's still something that Texas anglers can do to help the program that has led to bigger and better bass in Texas. Tom Lang, director of the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center, encourages anglers to download the Share Lunker mobile app before hitting the water so that if they catch a bass weighing eight pounds or more, they can submit it. Just take pictures of that bass on a digital scale and on a measuring board that shows it's over 24 inches and upload to the app and we keep track of those. And we've had 2,200 of those submitted since the program kicked that off just a few years ago. And then they just take a few scale samples and send them to us. Just take a couple of scales off the sign, drop them in an envelope, put their ID on it from their app entry, and boom, we can do genetics and, and review and see if that 8 or that 10 that they've got is related to any previous lunkers or any other fish that were, we've stocked or anything. Anglers who enter data for those lunkers will receive a catch kit, a decal, and will be entered into a drawing to win a $5,000 Bass Pro Shops shopping spree and an annual fishing license. Plus, that data is valuable to the program, which is designed to improve bass fishing in Texas. 
As a fisheries biologist, I can tell you that when we would go out and do our sampling, we do our electrofishing, these bigger bass are not something that we see in proportion to how they are in the population. And so they're harder for us to sample. And so when anglers provide that, that helps to fill in a gap in our data. And by doing that, they help us to make better decisions on how to manage these fisheries for these exceptional bass. Anglers can also submit their data on TexasShareLunker.com. TexasShareLunker.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We ended up seeing prices drop across the board in just about every commodity to start the week on Tuesday. Cattle, cotton, corn, wheat, all finishing in the red. We'll take a look at those markets and more coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Jessica Domel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent my entire life involved in agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, 833-897-2474. That is 833-897-2474. If you can't write it down right now, Just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That is farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market tried to start off in positive territory to start the week here in this holiday-shortened trade starting on Tuesday. However, it could not hang on to those gains. We ended up closing lower across the board again on both live and feeder cattle futures. That coming despite the fact that we had a big drop in the corn market on Tuesday. We'll start with the cattle market first. June live cattle dropped $1.65, 130.52. The August down 202 at 130.37. October live cattle dropped $1.90. 136.15. Same story on the feeder cattle market. August feeders down a dollar twenty, one sixty-five twelve. September feeders down a dollar seventeen at one sixty-eight twelve. While October feeder cattle were down a dollar twelve at one seventy seventy. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday to start the week. We wrapped up last week selling cattle anywhere from one thirty-six to one thirty-eight here in the South. Most of those cattle sold at one thirty-seven last week. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were higher on Tuesday. Choice up three ten at two sixty-eight fifty-one. Select up a dollar twelve two forty-seven sixty-two. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. There's cattle in the alleyway. They've moved them out from the Friday sale at Beville Livestock. Rodney Butler, it was a windy weekend in South Texas. How did that Friday sale go? All right, we had 330 head of cattle, no horses, and 24 sheep and goats. And like I said, that old market was good. Your 200, 300-pound steers were $1.56 to $1.90. Heifers, $1.25 to $1.60. 300, 400-pound steers, $1.50 to $1.85. Heifers, $1.36 to $1.65. Your 400, 500-pound steers, $1.59 to $1.85. Heifers, $1.43 to $1.73. Your 500, 600-pound steers, $1.56 to $1.78. Heifers, $1.25 to $1.58. Your 600, 700-pound steers, $1.24 to $1.35. Heifers, $1.16 to $1.35. 
35, 36. And your 700, 800 pound steers didn't have but a few of them. They brought anywhere from a dollar 20 to a dollar 31, and the heifers brought a dollar 10 to a dollar 31. Packer cows brought anywhere from 25 to 79 cents. Slaughter bulls brought from 87 to a dollar four. Our young stalker cows had a few, not very many. They brought anywhere from 57 to 81 cents, with some bred cows dollaring out around that 890. And the couple pairs we had Friday brought anywhere from 550 to 1070, sir. What do you now? We will not have a sale this week, right? Or we no, will sir. Have... We will have a sale. We're, we we won't have one tomorrow in Nixon, but we will have a sale Friday, sir. Are you aware of anything coming? Yes, sir. I know of probably around 80, 80 to 90 head of Charlotte calves. They're going to be lighter than what they normally are. We just haven't had any rain here in Beeville yeah. in the area in Bee County, and we're going to go ahead and sell them. They'll probably be around 90 of them. They're probably going to weigh anywhere from that 300 to 500, sir. All right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle or you need some information, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, that's all she wrote. Walk in the pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it all together. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big drop on Tuesday. June hogs down 242 at 107.97. July hogs down 372 at 108 even. Class 3 milk was mixed. May milk down a penny, 25.18 a hundredweight, while June milk was up 3, 24.54 a hundred. The cotton market closed lower on Tuesday. Some traders adjusting their positions here at the end of the month. Also, a higher U.S. dollar put some pressure on the cotton trade on Tuesday. We close with July cotton down 44 points, 138.98. October down 47 at 130.08, while December cotton was down 50 points to close at 122.45. A big drop in the corn and wheat markets on Tuesday. That coming on news that Vladimir Putin says he is open to allowing resumption of grain shipments out of the Ukraine. Of course, there's probably a catch to that. But nonetheless, the grain markets took a big drop on that news. July corn down 23 and three quarters, 753 and a half. September corn down 19 and three quarters at 725 a bushel, while December corn was down 18 and a half, 711 and a half. Same story on the wheat market. We were almost limit down. July Kansas City wheat down 69 and three quarters, 1165 and a half, while July Chicago wheat was limit down 70 cents. It closed at 1087 and a half. In the energy markets Tuesday, July natural gas was down 53 cents at 818. July crude oil up 16 at 115.23 a barrel. The financial markets were lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 225 points, 32,987. The Nasdaq down 49 at 12,081. The S&P down 26, 4,132. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.